This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sikar on FM 94.1 The Voice. Let's jump into what we have for us today. And um, as I've been getting ready for this week, it's easy for us to... Are we good? Okay. It's easy for us to get caught up in times like this. If you notice, I've never really wanted to preach a sermon on, you know, how Jesus is bigger than coronavirus because, come on, like, duh, like, read the Bible, right? And, and neither do I... That was LOL content right there. But... Um, and neither do I want to preach on how faith is bigger than fear, and which I think is necessary. Just not what God's calling me to. And I don't really feel like God's calling us to dwell on um, those mountains that we were singing about earlier, knowing that God is able to crush those mountains. I don't think God wants, at least God's not calling me to dwell on, um, oh, woe is me. Uh, look at me. I'm such a victim. Like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. These are hard times. Yes, these are hard times. But what I really believe God's challenging me to do is to, to thrive in, in, in these times of struggles. Please track with me now, okay? It's easy for us. You know, all of us around the world, man, that's insane. All of us around the world are going through struggles right now. Isn't that crazy? You're not alone. All of us are going through struggles and there's going to be a time when the doors would open, when jobs would come back again and society will go back to normal. And there are going to be two kinds of people. There are going to be victims, okay, who are going to go back and who are going to need therapy and counseling and stuff like that and they're going to be victors, there are going to be people who are going to come out victorious in this. And this is not, please listen to me. I've been praying about this and I really feel very passionate to, to challenge you that I love, that Jesus loves, to, to rise up. Christianity is not about failing. Jesus did not create you to fail. You might have struggles. You might have things from your past. But like we saying, God is able to turn our graves into gardens. He's able to turn our mourning into dancing. You need to know that. And God does not want you to go through the season for you to come out as a victim. Sure, there are hard times. Sure, there's, you know, our children, they're going to need extra patience and extra support. I got five of them. Dear God, pray for me, right? And uh, my best friend's being my headphones, right? It's like kids, like you're being loud. Okay, fine. It's headphones on, noise cancellation. Thank you, Jesus, for noise cancellation headphones. It's weird not to be able to hear you laugh, but I trust you are. But all of that to say, it's easy for us in times like this, as Christians, I want to talk to you, for us to get so caught up in religious dogma, okay? Uh, religious uh, you know, theological theories that have no practical application in our life. We have time in our hand, and I'm sure a lot of you are spending a lot of time reading books, catching up on theology, catching up on, you know, uh, terms and phrases that you wanted to study. But I want you to know that all of that is meaningless, worthless, rubbish. You will still come out as a victim in the end of all of this and not as a victor if there's no practical implication that's changing your life even where you are right now locked in your house. Folks, I want, I want you to know, in the Bible, excuse me, in the Bible you've had believers who've been locked in animal cages who've been locked up in their homes, who've been locked up in prisons. Do you remember uh, Paul in prison? Man, he worshipped till those friggin' gates fell down. The church prayed till angels showed up to rescue Peter. I'm telling you, man, when we go through times like this, God does not want us to be victims, but what? Victors. Okay? And, and in, in the time of this, one particular thing that I see in the book of Ecclesiastes is it's easy for us to get very um, self-absorbed. It's all about you. And that's when you start feeling like a victim because you're like, woe is me. Oh, look at me. On the other hand, it can become all about you and say, see how great I am. See how different I am and see how cooler I am than those people. See how I'm able to... And, 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 and what Solomon's going to tell us this morning from this passage and the Holy Spirit's going to convict us is, it's not I, it's we. It's we. It's not us. Uh, it's not me, it's us. I knew I was going to butcher that. 
Okay? It's we and not I. It's us and not me. It's not about singular, thinking about yourself, okay? how much knowledge you can get, how much satisfaction you can find, how much cool you can be and how great you can survive. It's about us. And sometimes when we're in isolation with this man, we can lose those basic sense of, of human um, you know, fellowship and relationship. Um, and and, and in, in turn, what's really worse is like our mission for our church is for us to fall deeply in love with Jesus, to be encouraged daily by his word. And then that our intimacy with Christ will be a billboard for the grace of God for unbelievers. And, and we f- lose focus on the gospel, living the gospel out when we become so self-absorbed and we, and we become victims. So Solomon over here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, um, he's actually going to draw, again, like every Hebrew uh, wisdom literature, you're going to see extreme contrasts to make his point very clear. And he's going to teach us very basic lessons, very basic lessons. Again, this morning, this passage, it's unlike any message I've preached. It's very basic lessons that oftentimes are overlooked. And sometimes it's the basic things that bring the biggest change. Basic lessons like contentment. When you're going alone like this, when you're living life alone with this contentment, we all know we want contentment, we all know we want to be content, but how do we find contentment? And then how do you live with contentment and how do you know uh, how much contentment is, is enough contentment? And he's going to talk about contentment, he's going to talk about teachable. Uh, we all know that we need to be teachable, we all know that we need to keep learning and growing, but when was the last time um, you actually had a conversation and you listened to understand and not to argue? Or you listened really to receive, then to wait for that person to finish a sentence so you could say, um, but yeah, <laughs> and then you add on to a conversation. We all know that we need to be content. We all know that we need to be teachable. And when was the last time um, you, know, you actually focused on friendship? Now, right now, we're all locked up in our homes um, and we're unable to keep in touch you know, in, in physically with, with people. And yeah, sure, we have social media and stuff like that, but we all know now it doesn't cut it. It's not the same. But when was the last time uh, we actually thought about someone else than ourselves? We know that the commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. But when was the last time we actually stopped to ponder the simple truths of contentment, of, of being able to learn, am I a student, and, and friendship? And so um, in the few verses we're going to see in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I think it's going to give us very practical insight into how we're supposed to live not as I, but we, and not as me, but us. And uh, we cannot do life in the way God's called us to, where the gifting has given us um, all alone. We need each other. Number one, what Solomon's going to say is contentment has a middle lane. Contentment has a middle lane. See, oftentimes, actually, well, let, let, me, let, me, let me make this a little more relatable for those of us who might be watching in different countries. Because I never knew there was a middle lane. At least I never saw a middle lane in India growing up. There's no such thing as a middle lane. If you're going and you have to take a turn, um, yeah use your mad skills, right, to dodge traffic and like all your video game practice, like woo, 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 and cows and buffaloes and stuff all that. It's great. It's fantastic. But over here, you have cars going crazy mad speed one way, and then you have cars coming crazy mad speed the other way. And if you want to take a turn, you have, lo and behold, a middle lane, which is kind of crazy. It's kind of like, you know, in between these two crazy uh, movements. And it's almost like a, a place where there's rest, where there's ease, where there's comfort, where there's safety. And oftentimes, basic lessons of contentment, um, we, can, we can spend too much time on either one of the lanes going super fast on a highway that goes nowhere and not realize that there is a middle lane for contentment. And that's what Solomon's going to share. Let's look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We saw the first three verses last week, and we're going to pick up from verse 4, where Solomon's going to point out that contentment has a middle lane. 
and I'll explain this in just a second. He says, then I saw that all toil and skill in work came from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Very crazy. Again, folks, Christians, please humble yourself now because these are things that you can be like, ah, been that, done that. Humble yourself, man, because this is for us. Okay? Oftentimes we feel like, oh, I've been saved. I'm a believer. I'm fine. I don't need to do that. But Solomon's making a very bold statement where he says that everything that you do comes from, excuse me, Solomon is saying that a man's uh, work comes from his envy. He's saying that, you know, a lot of times people are trying to find contentment from hard work. You've seen this in chapter 1, you've seen this in chapter 2, you've seen this in chapter 3. And in fact, he says that work is a blessing from God. Amen? Those of you who are stuck at home, you're like, I can't wait to get back to work. You realize more than ever now that work is a blessing from God, right? And he says, if you remember Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24, he says, There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. But listen to this. He says that even though work is a blessing from God, work can come from man's envy because we're living in a sinful world and work can become sin. And man can go super fast down this, down this side of the road trying to find contentment with hard work and it becomes selfish. It becomes me. It becomes I and not us and not we. Um, if you think that Solomon is stretching the statement a little bit by saying... Um, work comes from man's envy of his neighbor that all work is is just out of jealousy uh, think about this with me how many times people go into debt to buy a car just to impress their neighbors or their family members or their bosses and then they're paying off a debt that you know they can't really afford how many times um, during Christmas I've seen this personally myself people go into crazy debt trying to buy gifts just to you know look like they're able to provide for their family and look so cool and actually to, to live to be to look better than the person that they envy and they're jealous of. Happens a lot. And I'm sure there are many other examples where we, you know, we go work out not because we want to be healthy, because you're jealous of somebody else looking better than you. You know, you you, you want to go and, and you're striving so hard, you're working so hard in your work because you want to be better than your um, the, the, and then the other employees and you want to get that promotion, you want to get that bonus and you want to you might want to come back to your wife and say, oh, look at me, like I'm able to support the family but it's all out of envy and pride and jealousy and contentment is not found when you're going down this lane so fast just working and working and working and working because it's, again, selfish. It's I, it's not us, it's not we. You know, uh, talking to some of the people that have been able to work during this time, like, you know, getting on, on phone calls online and stuff like that. And this is what I've heard firsthand, that this time people are actually more busy than they were when they actually were able to go to the office because you don't have to uh, take the travel time into consideration. You don't have to take your tea breaks and your lunch breaks. It's one meeting after another on the computer. And you're sitting in front of your computer, slopped down, eyes droopy, dark circles around your eyes because you're just working so busy and so hard and it's quite possible, please listen to me, that you're starting to find contentment in your little hole in your office. And God says that's not how we're supposed to live. If that's the way you're living, when this whole thing comes and when God changes, brings you into a new season, you're going to come out as a victim, not as a victor. Contentment has a middle lane. Let's continue looking at this. Um, actually, pause. Maybe I'll let you go a little easy on this, but let me, let me be a little transparent and honest with you, okay? As I was studying this, uh, it really made me think about my own life. How hard do I work? And is my work coming out of jealousy and envy? And I'm sharing this with you so that you, as a believer, will examine your own life. Please do. You see, many times as preachers, we can become very competitive. Now, in sports, I'm not very competitive. But when it comes to preaching, I want to bring this word the best that anyone's ever taught. 
And oftentimes, if I'm not careful, I can spend time in God's word, write a message out because I want to look good. Sure, God is glorified because God can even use a donkey so God can use a prideful Indian. But I need to be careful that my contentment doesn't come from my hard work. Does that make sense to you? You see, this week we sent money to India as a church um, because there are people starving in India right now, man. This whole quarantine thing, they're locked in. There are day laborers. That is, they work all day. They get their money that day. They're able to buy food for that day. And then they need to go back to work the next day work all day, get the money that day, buy food for that day. And as soon as, you know, the landlords found out that they, they, these guys were going to lose their jobs, they kicked them out of their house. So there are like thousands of people in India that don't have food, that don't have homes. And so I have a few friends that are pastors in India that are taking care of these homeless guys. And so I was talking to George and I was like, hey man, we need to do something, man. Like if there's something that we can do to help them, um, it'll be great. And I had to pause and check my heart. Because oftentimes, please listen to me again. It's easy for us to get to do good things. You're doing good work. It's great. It's awesome. And in American Christianity, this is applauded. Like, wow, what a great guy. But it can't come from selfish motives. It's about I. It's about, it's about me. It's about my church. It's about my organization. It's about what I can do. Think about the last time you went on a mission trip. Okay? Maybe you went on that mission trip because you really cared for those people. But the care was lesser than I went to a youth camp. And I felt God tell me to go do this. I felt this huge need. I had to do this. I saved up money. It was a thing on my bucket list that I had to do. It was selfish. It was not we. It was I. And believers, if we don't confront this, when this whole thing is done and God's putting you in a new season to bear fruit, you're going to come out as a victim, not as a victor. It's not I. It's, 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 it's us. It's not me. It's we. So even as pastors, I've... If, you, if you're not watching a daily encouragement, repent and be saved and watch it, okay? Because I put a lot of effort into it. I pray for you before I do it. I spend half my day praying, asking God, who does God want to speak to? Daily encouragement every day on our social media, on our website. And I had to pause and repent and say, God, please, 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 let it not become about me. Let it not me become about me using my talents. Let it not become about me being able to study your word and pray and put content out. I'm being, I know I'm being very transparent. You might leave the church after this. But I'm telling you, man, even as pastors, as, as ministry leaders, as husbands, as wives, as fathers, it's easy for us to become about us, about, about me, than us. Fathers work so hard. And sadly, it's not because they love their family. It's because they want to live up to the reputation. Hope I'm speaking to someone. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014 Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 